Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the Cognicast, a podcast about software and the people who create it. I'm Russ Olson. And yes, we have been away for a while again. Distracted, really. Since we released our last episode, Cognitect has joined NewBank, and in the past few months, we've all been working really hard to transition to our new home. But we are back, and we're going to start by releasing an episode that we recorded just before we got really busy, and it is a great episode. So with this week's episode, Gotti talks with Dragon Jurek about closure and functional programming and teaching an AI. So for now, sit back and open your ears and your mind to Gotti and Dragon and episode 154 of the Cognicast. Welcome, everybody. Today is... Uh, what is the date today? Welcome, everybody. Today is March 27th, 2020, and this is the Cognicast. I'm Gadi Shaban. I'm your host today, and we are very privileged to have Dragan Juric calling us from Belgrade, Serbia, for today's episode. Welcome, Dragan. Hello, Gadi, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, thanks, thanks for being with us. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, this is, as you know, as everybody knows right now, a, a time of crisis around the world where we are all hopefully self-isolating. I'm uh, sitting in my office right now recording this podcast. My, uh, I know a lot of our listeners have uh, their family members uh, running around the house. Everything's jumbled together. My wife is teaching a piano lesson downstairs. Uh, what's it like over there, Dragon? Well, I'm at my home, and uh, luckily I live at 20th floor, so at least I have lots of light. So, also in isolation, and uh, like, well, like a normal day in programmer's life. That I mean, I think programmer's lives probably have changed the least. In the last <laughs> yeah like well, what isolation I, I thought it was my usual uh, routine but uh, jokes <laughs> aside uh, I need a lot of exercise and I like to run a lot uh, but uh, all these uh, spaces are closed so basically that's what what is missing the most hmm. some sort of physical activity in contact with people yeah I hear you I hear you um well, uh, I wanted to start off the show and uh, with our traditional question, which is um, to relate a piece of art to the listener. Um, could be anything, music, mm -hmm. visual art. What, what's what's on your mind? Well, uh, now speaking about contact uh, with people and, and exercise, I think about uh, like Cuban. Uh, afro dance and uh, rumba and salsa dancing like huh. dancing because it's a piece of art and i like it a lot and i miss it a lot in these oh, times yeah. how are we gonna how are we gonna dance for the next year we're gonna it's only gonna be well, separated. <laughs> i i hope it will not last that long and uh, I didn't know. Uh, I I uh, I scheduled uh, a visit to a festival in in uh, the at the end of May. So I hope I hope by then it will be able to to take place. I'm I, not sure. I hope well, so. Yeah. It's, I didn't it's... I didn't know. But one day when uh, when life returns to normal, maybe there would be a good idea for some programmers to learn some dancing. I would, I would love to do that and be there when that's being taught. Cause I think that would be entertaining and, uh, 
enter- entertaining on both sides. <laughs> um, do you do you dance a lot yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 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 festival is a dancing festival or uh, something else? Um, no, th- this festival in is Cuban Cuban dance dances festival. So it's uh, basically uh, based around Cuban salsa and uh, their traditional dances like rumba and uh, uh, afro and reggaetons and modern dances but actually in belgrade there are lots of cubans because they don't need visa for serbia so oh, lots of them uh, lo- lots of them come here uh, as a as a like temporary stop uh, for other countries in europe huh. so uh, salsa scene is Cuban salsa scene, which is different than, than like Puerto Rican or, or New York salsa or Miami salsa or LA salsa, these kinds of this this Cuban salsa is much more uh, connected with traditional Afro dances. Huh. Uh, so there are lots of uh, just like parties, not not festivals, but almost each night you can go to a club and uh, that that is specifically dedicated to 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 Cuban dance and it's a social dance so so basically two people it's Cuban culture is so uh it's so loud and vibrant mm-hmm. you know it's like wherever yeah. you, wherever it is it's it's just uh very very present yeah and it's very similar to Serbian culture so that, that's why Cuban <laughs> Cuban dance is so popular in Serbia I've been uh uh I I'm a I'm a huge NBA fan and one of my favorite mm-hmm. players is uh is Nikola Jokic, who's a uh, oh yeah, just a genius. But uh, he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't look like the most uh, athletic player, but he's like <laughs> he's like a dancer. Uh, he he really he really is a a genius with with uh, the way he uh, the uh, way yeah, he passes. I, <laughs> I can yeah, and, uh, maybe you remember Vlada Divac. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He is also Serbian. Yeah, the legend. Well, that's cool. I, I would love. So he to... was also phys- physically not impressive, but he was like intelligent in in his play. <laughs> I like lo- creative. I I love that because I'm I'm I I don't think I'm an NBA ca- caliber uh, physical specimen, so I would I would definitely <laughs> rely on the same qualities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's great. Well, um. So tell me what what uh, what got you into closure? Uh, what what uh, sort of uh, got you hooked? Ooh, uh, I'd say uh, luck or something like that, because uh, I've started with closure. I think in spring two thousand and nine, uh, just right after it appeared. So I don't know. I immediately recognized that it's. Uh, solves some of the problems that I was trying to solve in my software that I was uh, writing and before that I was using Java and uh, basically lots of these meta programming related stuff Hmm. you can do it in Java but you have to create lots of lots of uh, specific infrastructure I see just to get to the point of solving some problem you, and you, closure, you have to build your own way to to freedom in, in Java, right? Yeah, and it's really difficult. You you have to really use advanced part of advanced part of Java, and it's really complicated. But in Closure, many of these features were like many times better than I would create, and uh, they came with a with a language. So basically, <laughs> Closure just propelled me to to work on stuff that I was trying to work not. To build tools to to do the stuff that I want to do. So basically, that was I, I recognized immediately that it's something that that uh, fits well into what I need. And what were what were you uh, what were those needs at the time? Uh, well, I can't really remember specifically. <laughs> it was long ago, uh, but it was related to just. Uh, creating a software that could that could help you automatically uh, generate lots of uh, infrastructure code for some domain specific things that you need so instead of 
repeating the call the code over and over you will specify some in uh, some some specific uh, some parts that are uh, specific to that uh, thing that you're working on but all the other parts would be some somehow provided as a byte code hmm. something that in closure we take for granted with uh, with the higher order functions and and all the meta programming uh, facilities that closure offers like I macros see, yeah. and, and things cool um so uh so i understand you're a professor um mm -hmm. at uh the university of belgrade eh? yep what, um and so you, you teach do you teach closure in your in your uh in your courses or um is that more of a um uh different track for you oh well i do teach closure at my courses uh, because i forced it <laughs> into my <laughs> courses uh, but uh, luckily these courses are only on, on master's level and as electives uh, on the fourth year of the bachelor's level so there are not many students of them so because uh, the thing is that uh, at most universities you have to base your coursework coursework on mainstream technologies it's not something that I like but uh, that is something uh, hmm. that have to be done has to be done because uh, especially in uh, countries like Serbia uh, where most uh, software companies uh, are outsourcing companies hmm. so not, not that many companies have their own product but they rely on uh, on the tasks sent from United States or, or Germany or, or some other uh, more developed countries mm -hmm. And uh, so basically these companies work with technologies that uh, are that are demanded by, by their clients and uh, the, the sort of clients that would uh, offload part of their work to, to outsourcing companies are, are the companies that use uh, more traditional or more legacy technologies. So basically most of the companies here do some Java or C Sharp development or some of them Ruby or something like that. So basically, all the courses have to be in Java, C Sharp, maybe maybe some Python or. But yeah, closure is something that currently has to be forced on people. <laughs> a bit. That's that's a really interesting challenge in that you need that you need the free time to be able to see, um, to to reflect on your your own the the ideologies that are presented to you. Um, whether they're their code or something, you know, something uh, political, you have to actually recognize them f for what they are. Um, I, I've always been a little bit of a I ha have a contrarian spirit in myself, and it it manifests in different ways. Sometimes I like if I'm watching a basketball team, I will always root for the underdog, even if it means that underdog's gonna lose. <laughs> I'm I always pick. I always pick the underdog, um, but I think it's it's also important uh, when you see like a dominant ideology, something like you know Java, which is extremely successful um, for very good reasons. But it's important to be able to realize that there's you know there's mm -hmm. other ways of doing things, and that that's important. That's important just to sh just to show somebody that you know. There's a there's an ideological framing going on here. Yeah. You have to recognize it. But... And, and there is another angle with with Java being so popular. And this is I often um, hear people like um, asking what, why closure is not uh, growing or why closure is not that popular or they compare closure to Java and say oh Java is popular and closure is not popular. But then we should maybe think about how Java, how Java became popular, like in '95 or '96. Mm -hmm. And the main one of the main reasons that Java became that popular is that uh, Sun uh, like paid something like three or four billion dollars for advertising. Uh, advertising. <laughs> 
in all all I, I'm not sure exactly which kinds of advertising, not not really probably not Super Bowl uh, uh, commercials, but uh, all sorts of like spreading. Uh, they they invested a few billion dollars in spreading the world uh, the word about Java. Mm. There's a huge marketing machine. Yeah, a huge marketing machine for several years. And on the other hand, languages such as Clojure or I don't know, Haskell or whatever these alternative languages pop up as open source, who is really pushing them? Well, in in the case of Haskell, it's I think it's there is a huge push from from academic community. Mm-hmm. But for closure, I think actually it's amazing how closure became uh, popular. I would say that compared to uh, other languages who usually have some huge corporate sponsor sponsor, such as Google for Go or uh, I don't know Microsoft for for C sharp or, or some other Microsoft technologies. Uh, how who who invested uh, some huge effort in closure? Well, there is no huge effort in closure. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, and compared to how closure is actually just popularized by by spreading the word. By people who just yeah. do it because they they think closure is great, closure is hugely successful. Absolutely. Like, take yeah. some other, take some, take for example some other languages that don't have a huge corporate sponsorship but rely on some small community, like using it and and, and uh, speaking about it. I mean, in terms of is the there another effort the 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 leverage for the effort i mean it's it's huge for closure i got into it yeah, from it... the the videos that rich made and seeing the uh seeing that old ant simulation with the with the transactional memory system and then it was it was really visual and it was it was you know, not much code and that was really compelling to me and i think a yeah. lot of people share that same origin story yeah, but that's a, that's just some some uh, guy with a cool hair and and uh, like <laughs> a really se- seductive way of explaining some some programming topics that like yeah. Well, it, it's just some guy. <laughs> I I don't think any language compares in terms of uh, popularity over, uh, where where uh, where the denominator is marketing effort. Yeah, I mean, uh, imagine how closure would be would would closure be more popular if Google suddenly uh, like advertised it as their preferred technology, <laughs> or or I don't know, even Oracle or or, or mm-hmm. IBM or or these sort of uncool companies. <laughs> Any sort of corporate sponsorship would like propel closure to at least five times more in 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 demand let's say but uh, on the other hand i think it's good because whatever success closure has it's a real success i mean it's by people recognizing that closure as a technology and as a community around the technology solves some real problems whatever these problems be maybe a problem is Oh, I need some interesting technology to to as my hobby, hobby activity. That's also a real uh, a real use case. It closure it's meaningful, is like yeah, yeah, it's meaningful. And I think compared to other languages, I like the closure community exactly because there is no mark marketing bullshit or, or mm-hmm. there there is not much cargo culting or this sort of magical thinking or so like people pushing some technology because they fall for marketing Mm. or something like that it's like okay this is the technology it's moderately well known and moderately popular it has a healthy community and you can see whether it works for you or not which is difficult with some other technologies that, that are so advertised 
that lots of people seem to be delusional that these technology would somehow magically solve their problems. Yeah, the the investment uh, it's a it's a lot higher investment to to, mm-hmm. to buy into something large. But um, well, that yeah, it's interesting. I'm I don't know if it's a if it's it's not a popularity contest, but uh, I'm just happy for the for the, for the success it's had because it's it's given me a career and yeah. <laughs> what can I yeah, and, what more can I well, ask for? But, <laughs> yeah, it's not a popularity contest, but it is in, an important issue because lots of people who who like the language and uh, who would like to use it more, I think they're not in the position to choose. I mean, I am because. I have my day day job at university. Uh, I have uh, like unlimited freedom about what I will do and and uh, how I will, I will manage my time. Hmm. But most of the people are not. They have to like put the bread on the table. So it is important that closure is used. Hmm. Uh, in in a real world project with projects with real world funding and just it's important for jobs to be available so just people consider it seriously and i think of all the exotic languages that i saw closure is is the best in in, in that uh, angle because although there are not like millions of jobs most people who who seriously use closure uh have jobs in closure so it's not like that no one is using it oh absolutely yeah and i i mean i i know companies that are hiring right now even even in the middle of this crisis so um mm. it's maybe it would be a good idea and that's another another topic that i would think that should be mentioned more often is that closure companies don't talk about closure too much or that that much or 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 enough in terms of uh the the success they're having with it or in terms of the that that they're using it well yeah in terms of just uh, letting the word out that they are using closure yeah i mean it depends on what their what their goals are like if if a company wants to advertise it for for hiring purposes or to say, you know, Hey, this, we've used this thing and it's been great for us. And we were able to do, you know, a lot more effective work with fewer, fewer uh, resources, fewer people. That's, that's great too. But um, yeah, I mean, evangelism's really, really, really hard (laughs) because, you know, sometimes, sometimes it can come across as um, somebody's drunk the Kool-Aid um. So it, it's you have to strike a balance, really. But I think the best the the best evangelism is just just success and saying that hey, you know, this has worked really well for us. It's it's really interesting how that how that works out online. It's uh, it it takes a lot of effort to um, to respond to things online and. Uh, you know, I, I see those I see those threads about closure and in, in the usual um, suspect places, Reddit, Hacker News, etc. Um, and sometimes people are ha- have a hard time, um, or they they'll say like, "Hey, there's nobody there's nobody hiring for closure," um, like you say. But uh, I mean, I know personally that it's that, that that is not the case. And then you go to those like Hacker News monthly job threads. And I just will, I'll just control F for closure. And it's like all over the place. Every month there's like, you know, there's tons of results. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know that, I know that, but <laughs> like the wider world yeah. doesn't know that. That's the problem. It's just such so a, it's very, it, it takes so much effort to, to broadcast that stuff. Yeah. And it's like certainly, I don't know, it's hard for me to, yeah. to, try to try to dispel notions but um but i'm i'm just happy that people are you know people are doing well with it and um the the numbers when i see like download numbers the numbers keep going up so 
you know, there's something there's something real happening. Um, uh, well, maybe Cognitech, Cognitech should share these numbers because <laughs> lots of people would love to, to see this uh, sort of growth. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. Uh... I mean, I believe you, but like people don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just talking like, you know, like people downloading homebrew closure. Yeah, 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 I know. Dragon, I hear you're writing a couple of books or maybe a series of books. Can you can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. I can speak all day about it. <laughs> okay, tell me what are what are the books about? Well, the the, the title would uh, would tell it the best. Uh, the title of the series is uh, Interactive Programming for Artificial Intelligence. Okay. Well, it might sound abstract, but uh, I don't know whether you know it, but uh, Lisp originally was an AI language back in the time, like four decades ago. Mm-hmm. So even at a time in the 80s where Lisp was one of the most popular languages, um, it was mainly the language of AI. Of course, at that time, the application of applications uh, and expectations of our, uh, artificial intelligence technologies were uh, technologies were different. But yeah, that, that's a tradition that uh, that I think is deserved. Mm-hmm. And then with with the internet and and all these stuff later, Lisp uh, like disappeared into obscurity. But now, I think that closure has something uh, to offer, and uh, that's the interactive programming part. Absolutely, like the, yeah. the thing we are used to, like the REPL. And the quick feedback and uh, all the good programming technologies that are built into Clojure and available just in your Emacs uh, integration or, or idea and cursive integration or whatever the Clojure environment that you like to use. Mm-hmm. But the REPL is the main thing. That's that's where you can connect to the running program and just uh, like erase the border between a running program, a debugger, uh, I don't know, user interface, whatever else. You you, you just have a direct yeah. connection to your pro, your program. And on the other hand, the techniques that are currently popular in artificial intelligence, mostly machine learning and deep learning, but also other techniques, uh, I think that they uh, go well with the sort of metaprogramming stuff that Clojure can offer. Because lots of these techniques rely rely on lots of experimentation, lots of like tweaking things until they work, <laughs> like understanding complex things, that things that you cannot really uh, like plan in advance to, to the every detail and so 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 currently what is the situation i don't know whether you try some uh, machine learning stuff in any language or any technology or whether you've read something about it so as an amateur maybe. yeah but uh... oh yeah that, that's what i'm asking so you have some experience with some learning in this area yeah just so very basic mm-hmm. though so can you describe your experience? I mean, what have you tried and what was your, like, what were you thinking about it? How how well did it go? What did you understand and what was the problem, well, I, if um, any? I did a couple of neural network tutorials way back that were um, interactive um, Python things with, uh, you know, like the, the handwriting, the digits recognition for the, for the MNIST data set mm-hmm. and um what you're saying about it it being very experimental resonates with me because it's it's 
it's a field that I see that there's there's not too many clear like architectural patterns for um, neural networks, and in fact, there's there's search algorithms that discover architecture for neural networks. Mm-hmm. So it's that that tells me that it, there's really um, uh, it's much more exploratory, and it's not it's it's not a solved science. So uh, I think interactive programming and being able to incrementally see see things and explore and visualize this is way more important um, than than maybe mm-hmm. uh, the underlying principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, well, that's that's the usual experience. And uh, what I also noticed that is that if you, as a programmer, I'm not speaking here about there. Are, there, are, in my opinion, there are three typical users of AI-related technologies today. They're like uh, graduate students in AI topics, mm-hmm. like people who like enroll in some PhD uh, a program about a specific AI topic. So this is li- really narrow expertise that they're looking for. And they usually have strong background in maths or physics or or some other scientific field. And they are they are expecting to understand maths well, or at least to be prepared to, to put in really hard work into learning what they are missing. Hmm. So this is one type of a really narrow expert user. Another type of usual user, I think it's much wider selection of people, is just people who are of different backgrounds, who are hoping that AI could somehow solve some of their problems in their field, be it marketing or or science or, uh, I don't know, business or whatever, mm-hmm. where, where AI marketing put some effort into convincing them that AI could solve their problems. So usually these people probably don't have any background in maths or really forgot everything that they knew. (laughs) They have poor programming skills and relatively poor poor poor, uh, technical skills. And there is a third group of people are programmers or at least people who have strong programming skills and currently and in the last five or six years uh, of of the the, the latest AI uh, expansion into the the global global visibility let's say well the first group the graduate students are well uh, served by all sorts of different papers and and research reports and conferences and everything. And most of these uh, resources are like targeted to the to to some specific really, really narrow, 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 narrow topic about something technically with AI, usually something mathematically based. And the other two groups were really underserved because uh, you can follow a tutorial about MNIST digit recognition and you may follow some code, but well, well, that tutorial only, only shows you how to load the data, which is usually preloaded for you. Like you call the function MNIST load and the data is... <laughs> Uh, okay, but what does this function? Uh, it's there. Okay, it's there and it's prepared. Fine enough. Then just call this network and call the fit method and it delivers the result. Okay, but uh, what did I learn about? I mean, uh, I don't need uh, digital recognition. I need to do something completely different. How do I do it? And most of these tutorials just repeat the same basic things and 
I think they just don't offer real insights into how to really understand the technology and, and background of the technology and theoretic base and how to use it, how to apply it to specific problems. Because most of the resources are really, are, are either completely beginner target, target complete beginners who mm-hmm. probably don't even understand programming that well or maybe demonstrate some specific thing. Okay, here is our software yeah. that they a, can recognize objects a on a photograph. Library. Yeah, okay, yeah. but okay, but Google offers that service. Yeah, sure, so you can call what, an API. <laughs> yeah, call an API and do it <laughs> or whatever. How does it help me in maybe creating a new sort of service or creating a new sort of application, which is not even image related maybe i want to maybe i have some customer data and maybe i have some sales data and i would love to predict uh maybe uh how to change this service uh, and how to react better to customer behavior or whatever sort of things with data that you can imagine but well the the path from this uh, sort of here is uh, here is our pre-release software that recognized objects in a picture and and how uh, some programmer would use it in their own practice. There is a huge gap. Hmm. And the thing is that there is so much background uh, that is built in in all these sorts of, uh, uh, like already, uh, in all these sorts of solutions that Google or some other company advertises that you really don't understand how it works you can you, you can only understand how to call their service right but that's about it so you're so, you're aiming to, to to tie this back you're you're aiming to educate the the middle ground of um yeah practice and so, theory yeah so what is my my goal here to show you the complete picture without without the bullshit and without uh, the filler mm-hmm. and without because uh, up until the deep learning book appeared uh, it's the deep learning book which is people would usually if they search about it it's by uh, Yang Goodfellow and uh, Joshua mm-hmm. Bengio and that is the only deep learning the, the, the only theoretical deep learning book that I would recommend which is actually good most other texts before that were just some sort of thousand-page book that would could be distilled into into 30 pages, and everything else is just like deriving math formulas that only demonstrating the simplest, uh, the simplest implementation or no implementations at all. And actually, the deep learning book doesn't have any code in it, so it's not directed to programmers. Hmm. But at least at least uh, it just doesn't spend too much time on maths. I mean, there is lots of maths, there are lots of theory, but they are a bit uh, more, uh, I'd say, constrained. And, and they it's a good reference for the theoretic part, part of the story. But again, what is missing? Okay, here is the theory, the math formulas. Mm-hmm. Maybe some maybe some abstract algorithms how something should be implemented but not about how it, sh- it it should be implemented so with a sort of book like this okay you you have you know there is there is a joke that that uh, now i remember you know that that they say okay here is uh, the class exercise problem and they show you like three plus four Mm-hmm. And then here is the problem from the test, and there, there's a triple integral, <laughs> so, or, or some sort of complex differential equation. So it's basically most of these, yeah. most of the literature show you the easy parts. It's kind of, you kind of understand it, but you cannot really see how to how to implement it or, or apply it. Right, so left my goal, less an exercise to the reader. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the hardest thing is left as an exercise. And my goal is actually to show you complete implementation, like from zero, like like from scratch, to a library 
that is faster than than uh, than TensorFlow and PyTorch and all, and all sorts of libraries. So I show you all steps. I do, don't uh, leave out anything. So I show you, okay, this is the theory that you can read it in a theory book. Here is how we implement it. This is another piece of theory. And I also I also connect this well with, with the deep learning book. So you can easily uh, find uh, where this uh, where this part that we are implementing is discussed in more detail, if you are interested. I'm definitely in interested. That that actually and, speaks right to to yeah, me. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and each chapter actually, each chapter concentrates on one or two separate points and i implemented I, I show you how not how to not implement i show you the typical mistakes that mm -hmm. a programmer would would do i show you how to do it well and then in another chapter we upgrade it and in another chapter we upgrade it then we throw some problem on it see that whether the problem works or not then we improve it a bit see the problem uh, is now uh, now it's working and then we discovered that when with a harder problem we need better implementation and then we just build it from from the simplest like one line implementation of something we add one line or two lines or three lines in each chapter and after like a dozen chapter or 20 chapters you have really powerful implementation it also has its limits then we see about these limits and we solve that this and uh, in a later part of the book i show you how uh, the uh, official libraries that support deep learning from nvidia and from intel can be integrated in our solution uh, and cool. this is actually the thing that that uh, most framer frameworks do they they uh, base their uh, low-level operational or on QDNN from NVIDIA for GPU computation and on uh, DNNL uh, from Intel for, for CPU implementation. Hmm. And I actually show you all the step and I don't leave out anything. So so it's not like uh, I, I show you the easy part and now I, I'll leave it as an exercise, like the hard <laughs> part. I, I show you everything. So yeah. this is one book. This is about the, the deep learning book that I'm writing, like deep learning for programmers is the title. Uh, so there are two main purposes of this book. One is to learn and understand deep learning software. And the other is to actually understand how to employ high performance uh, libraries uh, mostly based on linear algebra in implementing another sort or, or other sorts of machine learning algorithms because deep learning is not everything okay okay it's just one successful sub part of subset of of machine learning but yeah actually it's not the best fit for all kinds of problems Absolutely. there are many other kinds of problems maybe even much simpler that could be efficiently solved with these kinds of software. And I, I demonstrated through this book how to do, how to apply to different problems. And uh, this is uh, currently the flagship book that is currently at 250 pages. And I hope it will not be longer than 300, 350 pages by this summer when I release version one. And I'm struggling because there's so much to, to tell, but I'm trying yeah, to, to keep it to pick. <laughs> simple. Yeah, I have to pick. And, and I think uh, the book, uh, like the upper limit of the book is something like 300 pages because if, if the book is much longer, most people will not read it. So 300 pages, in a, I, I think, is a good a good measure of something that, that you can process and, and keep it in your mind and, and uh, create some good mental model about the things and the good stuff is here is uh i don't have to spend too much space explaining things because each of the topics that i discuss is clear clearly demonstrated in closure code so i don't discuss anything without showing you the closure code that you can just type in like two lines of code that you can type in your your REPL and see it immediately 
nice. by yourself and understanding and and then experimenting like with other examples and uh, another book is uh, the, the second book is uh, numerical linear algebra for programmers which is like uh about high performance implementations of linear algebra and and how you can apply it for all kinds of computations not only related to to, to machine learning but yeah. whatever wherever you have huge amount of numbers and you have to crunch them it helps an important thing is why do i write these books and uh, what's the what's the main idea what's next so in my opinion there are lots of good books in closure and that's a good thing about closure community but the problem is that most of these books are about closure as a language and about specific uh, like uh, specific features of closure as a language uh, but very few of them are uh, about how to actually apply it to solve uh, in solving real problems so if I need to recommend someone who maybe knows closure uh, how to solve some specific problem in the area of databases or machine learning or web applications or whatever, I would have to point them to uh, resources that are not closure related. I would have to say, okay, learn database uh like programming in this other language and then come to closure and see how closure can do it better but then most people will learn all these uh different areas in different different languages and they realize that uh well these languages are good enough so the problem is that most of the people who come to closure are people who already know how to do it in some other languages or they are frustrated so that excludes lots of other people who maybe would learn something, would learn closure to solve something while they're learning something that they're solving. Hmm. One of the areas is machine learning. So I think it is important that we de develop a good library of domain specific closure related uh, topics. One of them is machine learning, but there could be others so my idea with this is uh, to develop a, a book these books as knowledge base about deep learning about numerical computing about GPU programming and I think it is easier much easier to, to teach GPU programming but it's, it's quite hard but it's easier to do it in closure with my libraries than it is to do it with C++ as it is done today and uh, also a book about Bayesian data analysis. But recently, a month ago, mm -hmm. I realized that really lots of people, not only beginners, are really lost in closure ecosystem because uh, there is not a good coherent, coherent like uh, guide on how to use the tools, how to use Emacs how to structure your programs, how to debug software, how, how to test it. I mean, people who came from other technologies such as myself, and I suppose most uh, senior closure programmers already like brought this knowledge from other ecosystems. Hmm. So it's, it was not a big problem, but lots of people are, don't know this and it would be a, a really good thing if they had a sort of guide to learn all this stuff but in closure with specific to closure tools so i also it, yeah. yeah i also added another book uh to, to this series that actually uh is based around that like teaching interactive programming in closure with emacs and and closure uh and it's called the interactive programming book and I have, haven't started writing it yet, but it is on the queue. As soon as I finish these first two books, I will start on the inter cool. interactive programming book. So 
another important uh, technical thing about the first two books is, is that they are already available. And I thought a novel model of, of writing them. These are not books that I will, like traditional pub, pub, publisher do, where mm -hmm. they publish a book and then just let it sit on the shelf and be sold and like used. I plan to develop it uh, in the same manner as we develop software. Like, okay, there, there is a zero point something phase when you're developing the thing, then it reaches some sort of zero uh, of 1.0 when it is uh, complete enough that it can be used as, as a like finished thing. But then I, I plan to update it each year to have a new edition for each year, but I fix what is uh, not uh, the best. I uh, remove some things that I, I think is not necessary. I add some new things that I think I, I left out the first time and uh, I updated to, to like keep up with the changes in software. So it's basically, uh, even today it can be accessed and read. There are 250 pages for the first book and I think 130 or 140 pages on the second book. And I plan to add a few chapters each month and uh, by, I hope this summer, there will be uh, version 0.1 of each. And then uh, I'm starting the third book, which I think would have uh, the widest appeal because even people who are not interested in artificial intelligence at all would uh, find lots of use it. So the, the first two book you can subscribe and access them immediately. And all the proceeds go into my development of all these libraries. So this is, kind of uh, funding for all this work, not only for the books, but mainly for the, for the libraries that are free and you can use them uh, for free. And uh, the third book I plan to release for all for all uh, laybackers on Patreon, even if you're backing with $1, you will get the access uh, for, the, for the third book. So basically I, I plan for it to be available to to all people great so um, i think it's I, yeah. I think that's that's great stuff that you're producing and i mean people who uh people who put themselves out there and and write and create i think um uh, are really the most valuable uh contrib the valuable com contributors and people who create things to help other people create things are even more valuable. So I really, yeah, I really appreciate that. And, yeah, uh, thanks. I look and, and there to is it. another, there is another thing that is really, I think, uh, worth mentioning now. It's about the size and health of closure community. I mean, all of you know that books are not really commercially successful today, either because they're pirated or, or because there are so many of them. So people don't have time to read all, all, all of them. Mm -hmm. It is really, difficult to make a, a book commercially successful especially if you're like doing it all by yourself and the reason you, uh, why i'm doing it by myself i had contact with some some leading publishers but is that the publishers like maybe people don't know that but uh the publishers leave like 10 percent of the net to the author so basically, hmm. most authors work for free. So I specifically wanted to test whether I can make this uh, both, com both, both useful hmm. and commercially successful. So my goal is to write really great books, like not, not only closure copies of some other community, what other communities are producing, hmm. but really provide for closure community something that is not existing in any other community i hope i will succeed i, I think I'm, a, I'm on a good good track and i think it's worth pointed out that uh books are doing uh, really great commercially i mean not great in some sort of uh, i will become rich or i can leave my leave my work and do this full time but it's really i'm not sure that in any other community I would be able to do this. 
You... So a good measure of of a strength of closure community is uh, is how many subscriptions uh, I sold for these books. I mean, it's not not anything like to become rich. I say, but yeah, it's no, really it's just a not. It's not. Yeah, but it, of... it's it's really it's really a nice side uh, money. So it's uh, I think the books are on the good path and the closure community is not that small as it seems to be yeah it isn't <laughs> i wanted to ask you our uh traditional send-off question which is to impart on the listener some piece of advice and it could be mm -hmm. anything just 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 exercise and I'm trying to think about how to exercise in, in home and my, the only lame attempt that I, I succeeded at uh, in, in these last 10 or 15 days that uh, I'm at home the whole day is that, and I'm missing dancing and I'm missing running and I'm missing gym. And I decided, I, I decided each time I think about exercise whether whether mm -hmm. is it oh I miss exercise or I should exercise more or I should think about how to exercise in in the closed space, I should do a fifty push-ups or or I don't know twenty twenty or sit-ups or whatever. So that's the idea. Whenever Anytime you think it crosses about, your mind, yeah, do do whatever is manageable. I mean, maybe you cannot do fifty or hundred push-ups, but do ten or. I, if you know, you I'm doing a variation easily... of that. I, uh... Yeah, do, do five or do whatever you can. Just, just don't, don't put it for later. Just do it right now. Nice. I, every Which time I'm doing as soon as we finish, I, I will do my. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I want to thank you for for talking to me and to our listeners today. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, been very interesting conversation and i wish you very much safety and success and i look forward to seeing your book um and we'll definitely have uh links to all of our show topics today um so thank you dragon thank you gadi for inviting me and for being such a wonderful host oh. <laughs> who, who let me speak without interruption <laughs> oh it's my pleasure you want, <laughs> you want to do it because i, I just talk too much no, you don't. No. <laughs> you have been listening to the CogniCast. The CogniCast is brought to you by Cognitech. You can subscribe to the CogniCast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, Cognitech.com Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at Cognitech.com. Our guest this week was Dragon Jurek who is Dragon Rocks on Twitter. That's at D-R-A-G-A-N-R-O-C-K-S. Our host this week was Gadi Shaban, who is at Smash the Past on Twitter. The episode cover art is by me, Russ Olson. Audio production is by Joe Smith and Jared Binford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is by Ben Camphouse, who produces music as Pattern Shift. Look for it on any of the major streaming services. I'm Russ Olson, and thanks for listening, and stay safe out there. Wear your mask, social distance, and just be careful. Thanks again.